So the, the, the epiphany was that CDN is just a application running on top of the edge network that they've architected. That uh, the profits and success that they had in, in executing as a, C, as a CDN uh, has funded the infrastructure that they were able to build this global edge network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Investing City podcast, where the goal is to get better at investing, business, and life. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It really means a lot. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. The following is presented for informational purposes only and is not investment advice. This information must not be relied upon in making any investment decision. Investing City cannot be held responsible for any type of loss incurred by applying any of the information presented. Furthermore, securities discussed in this podcast may be held by Investing City and members thereof. Thank you. On today's episode, we have Muji. So that's not his real name, but that's what he goes by on Twitter. And he is actually a software developer and investor himself. So we talk all about a blog post that he wrote about edge networks. And it's all about edge computing and this different paradigm shift that we're seeing in computing. And we talk mainly about Fastly and Cloudflare. So please enjoy this conversation with Muji. Okay, on this episode of the Investing City podcast, I'm really pleased to have, if you've ever followed him on Twitter, you might know him as Muji. So I really appreciate you being here. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Great. So you have this awesome blog post called What Are Edge Networks? So I think it would be awesome to maybe even zoom out a little bit and just talk about a little bit of the history of networking and and just how we sort of got here and then i have a few follow-ups from there sure i got pretty interested in uh edge networks back in february or so uh in particular cloudflare uh cropped up and fastly as well and kind of did some initial research then but the blog post you're referencing is my blog is is called Hypergrowth with uh, three h's it is um uh, kind of covering, uh, or it's kind of revisiting the subject where I, f- I first started with my research on, on Cloudflare in February. And I really ca- came to a lot of realizations and, and further researching what edge networks are and kind of what service they provide. Uh, the, the way to think of them is, is that they are the transitory space between users and cloud services. And so that kind of encompasses a, a, a huge amount of, of area. They are um, obviously the, the edge. They are, they are nearest to the users. Uh, and so they provide kind of a buffer for traffic being generated by all the endpoints out in the wild and then the servers that those endpoints are trying to access. And so they, it can kind of be thought of as the edge of the cloud. It's the edge of the the kind of the user space. Um, edge is, I'm not finding it a particularly appropriate term because uh, to me, edge networks are actually global. They span the globe. They are not, uh, you know, just one server sitting in Hong Kong handling requests from users in Hong Kong. It is a global network 
that these companies have built up, including Cloudflare and Fastly, uh, providing backbones of network traffic between all of their uh, points of presence, which is their uh, data centers. And they've built this in a way that uh, allows programmability in that network. And so they can really tightly control how that network works and it allows them a, 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 a huge amount of scale and flexibility. Uh, but on, then on top of that, they're adding uh, compute uh, in those um, points of presence. And that can be kind of thought as a, as a mini cloud. You've basically got a cloud space now at those edge points within that global network. And there is a lot of ramifications here. Uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, determine where to where to dive in deeper in that in that uh, humongous introduction. <laughs> no, so that's that's super helpful. I think it, before getting into the ramifications, maybe let's talk about um, sort of like the edge compute and how that maybe even differs from a big uh, cloud provider like AWS, Azure. Um, so maybe just contrasting those. Yeah, so obviously the you know, cloud providers all started as infrastructure as a service. And so you know, certainly AWS was the forefront of that. They built it for themselves and then monetized it. Um, basically, they built up a lot of infrastructure to host their own services and then realized that that has a lot of idle capacity. So they built a programmable interface over it so that other customers can come in and basically rent uh, compute and storage space. And so, you know, that infrastructure as a service has really powered a lot of, of trends that I, I tend to invest in and research. The app economy, the API economy, which is, you know, uh, business to business um, services. Uh, even connected TV, you know, that's uh, streaming television over internet wire instead of uh, over the air. And so, um, you know, that's really empowered a lot of these waves that, um, that, that uh, you and I both invested in over the past few years. Uh, that infrastructure as a service now is, is really empowering the next wave of, of digital transformation because people are building tools on top of those cloud services. Uh, edge networks have kind of split off from that. They are not officially a cloud. They are the network and uh, edges, whereas the cloud infrastructure is more about, um, you know, what in the business is called origin servers. I, you can kind of think of it as the core. And so a company, when they're going to build up infrastructure and build services, they're going to rent infrastructure and services from AWS or Azure or Google Cloud Platform and uh, build their company around that. That's the core. Okay, so the core is not going to go away. There's, you know, Edge is not going to replace the cloud. What Edge allows customers to do is really control everything outside of that. And so they can control how the network traffic is going to flow uh, between multiple um, origin servers of theirs. Um, but, uh, and now the compute at the Edge, is, it's not going to replace uh, core compute. You know, so you've got a basically infinite scale that you can achieve at any of those cloud providers 
for compute capacity. And so you can have a massive amount of compute going on. And so for extremely deep analytics, let's say, you're always going to use those cloud providers for that. Where the benefit of compute at the edge is going to lie is in doing compute tasks that either are tasks that need to be performed extremely quickly, being uh, uh, locationally um, next to uh, the endpoints that are calling it. And so they can really uh, eliminate a lot of the, um, the latency and, and responsiveness um, by performing compute actions that closely to, to the endpoint requesting it. Um, but also in uh, the compute can be determining the logic and actions that then that global network takes from there. And so they can be controlling what servers uh, a request is going to. Um, but then on the flip side, I think is a lot more of the power. It can be controlling the response that's given back to the endpoint and uh, making basically last mile decisions before it delivers responses back. It can be stitching together responses from a lot of different origins points. It can be making decisions based on the network. You can say that a, uh, I'm, I'm seeing slow latency using this network path. I'm going to use a different one. Uh, it, can, it can be making those uh, instantaneous decisions at the edge instead of traversing all the way to the centralized core you know, cloud infrastructure, making decision there, and then sending that response all the way back. So it really changes the paradigm of what's possible now with uh, computing to me and greatly expands on kind of that potential of the cloud. It's not going to replace it. And there's certainly use cases that are uh, ideal for one location or another, but it really is going to form, I feel like Cloudflare and Fastly in particular are going to form the basis of what the is the new infrastructure as a service. It, it has new potential and new products are gonna be built on those platforms exactly as they were on AWS and Azure to take advantage of that new paradigm. Yeah, so that's a super helpful overview and really well explained. And I would love to maybe talk about some of the use cases that might be optimized for a central cloud provider like AWS versus this new edge um, computing paradigm um, that you're talking about, just like different use cases that are optimal for, for each of those? Uh, I mean, as far as compute goes, I guess one thing I'd like to hesitate against, um, I, I think of edge networks as, as the whole. And so you need to think of edge networks as both the programmable network and the edge compute. Um, they, they are all one giant global network and that network is a giant computer, able to make choices at any stage of the network and able to uh, you know, change what it's doing at any of those points. Um, versus the cloud you know, is, is all centralized and certainly you've got choices you can make in the cloud about what region you're, you're de deploying your infrastructure into. You're able to geolocate things uh, you know, slightly based on that. But it's not about controlling the network. You, you, that, that's all hidden under the hood in, in kind of that traditional cloud providers. You, you're not making those choices and that's not exposed to you as a customer. Um, now certainly, you know, there's, there's more and more services coming along and, and uh, cloud providers can certainly start approaching the edge and Amazon certainly is with Lambda at Edge. 
but they're not going the direction that I just mentioned that Fastly and, and Cloudflare are, which is programmable edge network with edge compute. So to me, I look at both of those things. Um, you know, your question was around comparing compute to compute, and certainly the compute capacity of edge servers is much, much lower than centralized core. And so it's going to be made, it's going to be more ideal for quick decisions um, or decisions that can be made in a very distributed fashion across the globe, such as uh, like a use case where I could see them working together is that you're going to take a lot of data that you've already collected and is in some centralized um, core systems out in, in AWS. You're going to make uh, analytical models based on that. You can deploy that model if it's lightweight enough to edge servers and it could be making decisions based on that model out in the edge. And so that's kind of one potential use case for this is that you, you need to take advantage of what you can do in the cloud and what you can do in the, in the edge network and start combining the, the, those two in order to really optimize the potential. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. Being able to sort of push that logic out and the the real benefit, I mean, especially if you've seen with Fastly is like just a simple, if we can sort of bring this to the ground is makes websites load faster. So let's talk a little bit about different ramifications of edge networks. And you talked a little bit earlier about the programmability. So what are some of these ramifications that you can foresee? Well, it's, it's interesting to actually go over the history of how these two companies came about. And so they both came from the content delivery network industry, which is, you know, abbreviated CDN. It, it is all about uh, basically acting as a cache server. And so you are taking content from some centralized server and you are distributing it in caches across the globe so that you can access that from, from anywhere in a, in a highly responsive, low latency way. And so, you know, a case would be e-commerce. You can be distributing the pages of your store with all the product listings or a uh, magazine can be just, uh, or newspaper could be pushing all its content out across the globe. And so that someone in Singapore is accessing the New York Times, they're going to get it from a server hosting that cached content in or near Singapore not traversing over to some US-based data center. And so that's kind of how these companies first formed, but they took a crucial decision in creating the architecture for their, that global network to deliver that uh, content and cache it at the edge that they are now leveraging in a, in, in a way that uh, kind of the epiphany I got when I was researching the, the edge network piece was that Basically, they have turned content delivery networks into an application that runs on an edge network. Okay, so it's just the first application of many more to come that have already been created and, and obviously with future potential. So the, the, the epiphany was that CDN is just a application running on top of the edge network that they've architected. That uh, the profits and success that they had in, in executing as a C, as a CDN. Uh, has funded the infrastructure that they were able to build this global edge network. But the concept is, in, you, you can see exactly how the architecture was designed from a CDN. 
they built all the networking pipes to transfer, you know, to data centers in Hong Kong, London, Frankfurt, Chicago, around the globe. But they also put servers there and they designed those servers in a way that also uh, uh, they're able to leverage, you know, initially for caching content, but now they're able to leverage for edge compute. And so the design decisions that they made in designing their global network was that they used what's called software defined networking. And so basically it is not relying on uh, expensive hardware appliances for your networking equipment that are kind of self-contained and do one thing. You know, you, you buy a firewall, you buy a, a switch and router to, to do certain things in your networking. They're able to now buy commodity equipment that is, you know, providing the networking interfaces, but they are writing their own software on top of it in order to control the networking. And that really gives a, a lot of flexibility and ability to scale that using those kind of traditional um, hardware appliances could never give you without spending a, a, a ton of cash. And so there is a lot of flexibility in how they architected their network. And then now there's also a lot of flexibility in how they architected their edge servers that were initially designed around delivering content can now um, kind of be rehoned to run uh, serverless applications that developers can deploy to them. And so now you've got one giant global edge network that are those two pieces I have described. It's the programmable global network and the programmable edge compute. And it's the potential between those that's most exciting. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you, you just mentioned a term that gets thrown around a lot, but I think it'd be awesome if you defined it so serverless. Dig into that a little bit. Sure. Uh, so I'm a developer myself, uh, as well as technologist and investor. Um, so I, I, I know quite a bit about it. Um, without diving too deep into the technicals, it is basically a new programming paradigm uh, that has gone through a few phases uh, of late. And so, you know, traditionally you would uh, write code, you would um, cr uh, buy infrastructure to uh, act as a server that that code would run on. You'd deploy clients, whether it's a desktop application, mobile application, whatever that could talk to that server. You know, the cloud changed that paradigm. So now you've got infrastructure as a service. You can not have to host that equipment yourself and you can uh, create things kind of on the fly. You can scale as necessary in the cloud. So you really got a lot of potential by moving to the cloud. The next paradigm that came along was containerization, which is uh, not having to worry about the infrastructure itself. As a developer, now I can write an application, I can wrap it in a container, and it doesn't matter if that container is deployed in the cloud, if it's deployed on bare metal hardware, a VM, the infrastructure itself isn't as important. Uh, so it gives you a lot of flexibility and re repeatability, um, but then you can start taking advantage, uh, as a, with a container, you can start taking advantage of uh, some of those cloud paradigms like the ability to scale. You know, you have more requests coming in at a certain moment and your service is not able to keep up with it. You can spin up more containers of the same service, put a load balancer in front of it that is distributing the load across them. And so that's what allows you to basically have the ability to scale up and down. And with cloud infrastructure, that's critical. 
because it, it just in, in terms of cost savings, you're not having to buy hardware for what you think is going to be your peak demand, have a lot of idle capacity. Instead, you're going to scale exactly what uh, containers you need and what server uh, cloud infrastructure you need at any given moment. And you can see what's coming in at that moment and scale up or down from there. You know, you can go to, down to a bare minimum or you can scale up to handle peak demands. Uh, with serverless, it's taken a little bit a step further to be a little more cloud native. Instead of you writing an application that you bundle, that you, you know, your, your traditional applications, you maybe you're creating a binary and you're um, compiling it into an executable or you're compiling it into a um, iPhone or iPhone or Android application. With serverless, you're basically down to the same components, but you're basically just writing a function that you, in, in a variety of languages, can throw out into uh, any location. And this is kind of a crucial component in what's called um, microservices style of software architecture. It basically allows you to decouple all of the pieces, parts of your application that have to intercommunicate. You use some uh, communications scheme between your microservices, um, but each microservice basically exists as a function to do one thing and one thing only. You know, I need to update my user record. That goes and calls the microservice I created to update user record. Uh, so that would be one serverless function, update user, or add item to cart or checkout cart, or process payment, or send, you know, some email notification to say thank you for your order. You know, those would all be separate microservices that all intercommunicate. And so server, serverless is really what's empowered that. It's the ability to break your application down into individual functions, each one controllable and scalable as needed. So it's really taking containerization to the nth degree. You've not only taking your application and put it in a container, you're taking your application into pieces, parts, and that might be a hundred different individual elements of what it has to do. Each one of those is now scalable in, in the serverless paradigm. Super helpful. So really appreciate you going into that. So moving on from there, I think it would be awesome to talk a little bit about Cloudflare and Fastly and maybe some of the differences of the companies. Uh, differences basically, uh, a huge difference is in their go-to-market and how they're executing. Uh, and architecturally, since we were just talking about serverless functions, they do deliver, both of them are adopting a very similar architecture to how they design their networks, the software-defined networking equipment and, and code that runs their networks and, and how they made it programmable. Both are also using uh, serverless uh, as, as kind of the primary driver of what's driving edge compute. And so that any programmer can write in a variety of languages that are supported and deploy those as serverless functions into edge compute. And that can be distributed around the globe or to whatever uh, data centers you want it to be. So architecturally, they're, they're very similar, but the, the, the go-to market and strategy is, is wildly different. Um, Cloudflare is uh, really trying to be a helper of all. They are, uh, you know, kind of initially focused on SMB market, I guess the, the, the lower end of the market in terms of helping out 
anyone who runs a website, you know, the investing city website that you use to host your, your podcast and blog content and client base that can be signed up to Cloudflare and it can provide some basic services around caching your content and now around protecting your content uh, from, because they act as a layer in between the users who are accessing your website and your website server. There's a lot of ancillary services that they can provide because of that. Um, Fastly, on the other hand, or, 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 one more point on Cloudflare, because they're kind of focusing on, on uh, SMB and the lower end of the market, they've got a, a free tier that provides them a, a users a, a lot of benefits. And so they've got 3 million plus customers, a fraction of whom are actually paying, and then a smaller fraction of whom are, are the larger enterprise customers. And so that gives them an interesting dynamic where they basically have a sales funnel where they've got this huge uh, free user base. And as those uh, free users are becoming more successful and getting more content and need more uh, capabilities, they're going to, you know, uh, upgrade into the, into the price tiers. Um, and then as they add new products, obviously they've got a huge customer base that they can try and sell into. Fastly is wildly different. Fastly has solely focused on enterprise customers. They, they want to find the, I would call them the very f uh, future forward next generation platforms that are being built out there. And they want to help those companies to be able to uh, utilize their, uh, initially their content delivery network and, and now their, their edge network. And so they're focusing on the, on the, the large companies, they, you know, Pinterest, Shopify, obviously TikTok's been in the news, you know, so social networks, these are uh, new applications being developed that are kind of cutting edge. They're using modern languages. They are um, doing very interesting things and Fastly is an enabler of that and is trying to help uh, hone their services around that, I'd say, top tier customer. And so to me, that's the the, the, the 10,000 foot difference, uh, how they're executing and markets they're going after is the other difference. Um, Cloudflare is definitely making more motions towards security. And, and by that, I mean um, network traffic security. Whereas Fastly in their last uh, earnings report has mentioned security way more than they ever had before. It's clearly on their mind and something's coming down the pipeline, but they said somewhere in the uh, conference call that it is not going to be tra network traffic security. And so they're really uh, differentiating themselves from, from Cloudflare there. I think it's going to be more around edge compute and doing application level security. So they're going to try and build something, maybe some kind of identity management system that runs uh, uh, on their edge compute platform. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you mention network traffic security, the first thing that comes to mind is Zscaler. So I know Cloudflare has a new product that is very similar to that. Um, talk a little bit about that. Is Cloudflare definitely encroaching on Zscaler space? Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't an overnight journey for Cloudflare, but uh, so just to step back with what Zscaler is, uh, it's a company I owned uh, heavily last year. 
and very uh, enticing and extremely sticky company. Uh, it is a company that is trying to do with away, away with uh, traditional enterprise networks. Their, their stance is that the internet is your network. Utilize it. But because of that, what you have to do is have a lot of security over the traffic, both uh, outgoing traffic and incoming traffic of all your remote workers. Uh, so uh, it's a system that's unfortunately a little bit complex in Zscaler's uh, situation. They use a lot of system integrator partners in order to implement. It is typically a C-level uh, decision where a company, I think GE was one of the first um, large global enterprises that adopted them. You know, a company like GE is going to come along. The CTO is going to make a choice to uh, go to the, the, the Zscaler network and there's a lot of uh, integration then that needs to happen about configuring their existing appliances to work under the Zscaler model. So what Zscaler basically is is, is, is twofold. They have a uh, product called ZIA, which is a secure web gateway. It's basically a firewall for user traffic on all the devices out there. There's an agent that runs on your device. This is a... Uh, employee laptop or a mobile device, let's say. There's an agent that basically uh, secures the traffic from your device to Zscaler's global edge network, and it is an edge network. Um, they have data centers uh, around the globe. Um, it connects to the nearest Zscaler data center. It secures the traffic to that. It's within the Zscaler network, secures the traffic, but then it go picks the data center that is nearest to the server that you're asking for exits and uh, you know talks to whatever service you're you're trying to call say uh, Microsoft Office 365 is is one of the ones they tout the most uh, and then incoming traffic is handled via their other product which is called ZPA which is a zero trust security paradigm to basically secure the internal APIs and services a company might have uh, within their enterprise, uh, it allows uh, outside users uh, to be secured exactly the same way. It uses zero trust to identify who that user is that's making a request to access such and such a system. Let's say it's, um, you know, you're subscribed or you've got some kind of internal HR system that someone's trying to access. It's going to identify who that user is, use some network magic in order to route them through that enterprise network to that service and tightly control that access. Um, and so Zscaler is having a lot of success with it. There was a, a few stumbles last year with uh, sales and they've lost their luster with me anyway uh, around that. Um, however, I, I, I do love their service and I feel like it's a, feel like it's an extremely sticky service because once a company makes that decision, GE, for instance, they're never going to go back to the old way. They're not going to go back to maintaining a massive amount of firewalls and internal networking infrastructure. It has to be cheaper to go the Zscaler route because they eliminate all the IT personnel and maintenance and management nightmares that come along with uh, maintaining all your security infrastructure yourself. Um, Cloudflare, on the other hand, uh, 
positioned itself through a sequence of a couple of different uh, products into the exact same solution. They have a product called Cloudflare, Cloudflare for Teams that debuted this past January, uh, right before the pandemic, and it is ideal for the pandemic. It is exactly like Zscaler's ZP, ZIA and ZPA combination. So they have a secure web gateway and an agent that can run on um, a, a user's device. It secures the traffic from the device to the Cloudflare's network to the nearest edge server of it, secures it all the way around the globe in Cloudflare's edge network, and then hits the edge server nearest where to the server that you're calling and exits and is able to uh, securely go to that service through their uh, uh, other product, which is called Gateway, which allows uh, you know, external users to access your uh, internal services through Zero Trust. And so to me, it appears to be a carbon copy of what Zscaler is trying to attempt, all built by Cloudflare on their workers platform, which is their edge compute and their edge network. And so to me, it is an ideal use case to show you the possibilities of what's possible on an edge network. They've created Zscaler on their edge network as an application. And because they're a kind-hearted organization, they uh, made it free for uh, uh, companies uh, through the pandemic. And as companies were you know, hitting all that turmoil with suddenly that all the uh, workforce had to work from home. Uh, and so they, as of uh, the most recent earnings call, have 2,000 users or customers that have signed up for Teams and they're just about to start monetizing it on September 1st. So we're just going to see the benefits of that on their, uh, in their financials. Yeah, that's really interesting. And kind of going back to how you mentioned with the edge network, with CDN as an application, so maybe Zscaler being another application, it's pretty interesting to think, you know, what could those future applications be? Um, and kind of a little bit going off of that, Talk to workers, um, so Cloudflare workers, and that computed edge um, with Fastly. Like, are there different approaches there? Or um, just talk to that a little bit. So there are different approaches there. It's a little bit of the architecture change I was talking about. Um, but it all boils down to the, that they're both enabling uh, uh, serverless functions to be run. They both are using a... Um, a mechanism called WebAssembly, which is basically creating binary executables uh, initially to, that would run in a browser. And so the browser would be kind of the operating system and the WebAssembly would be the, ex, the EXE that you'd be running on the browser. Um, Fastly took it a little step further, didn't want to use a, a, a browser core to host serverless functions. They made their own open source uh, engine to run this that runs right on the system. It's an extension of WebAssembly. And, um, but it, at its core, they're using the same technology. They both use WebAssembly and that enables any language that a developer might be writing in uh, that can convert to WebAssembly. Uh, it can be utilized on their edge network. And so, you know, all the standard ones are, are, are pretty well covered. It could be JavaScript, Python, C, any of those languages. Um, there's certainly some differences in speed and, and startup 
times. Um, they, they, they are no strangers to what each other is doing. Uh, they are absolutely direct competitors in, in all respects. Uh, and certainly the, the example I highlighted before is that uh, Fastly doesn't seem interested in um, network traffic security. They could pivot that direction at any time. All of these things are possible on either network. And so I'm very interested in both of these companies. Uh, the completely different approaches. Uh, you know, Fastly is usage-based pricing. We're seeing a lot of benefits to that right now as usage is spiking. Whereas uh, Cloudflare's got a completely different go-to-market approach where they've got you know, millions of customers kind of all growing into uh, more and more usage of their platform. Uh, now with a, a network traffic focus. Beyond all that, they are absolutely both global edge networks with edge compute that can be doing the same things. And so to me, it's, it's like debating between AWS and Azure right now. It is, the, the, you can build the same things on, on either network. So, you know, I'm sure they'll compete on speed, consistency, pricing, uh, you know, th those will be the differentiators, but both of them are having so much success now. I, I, I like both. There's, there's no, no reason to pick one. Right. Yeah. I mean, even I think uh, Cloudflare's CEO is talking about how like speed isn't really the only thing and, you know, there's other aspects and dimensions. So it, it totally seemed like he was calling out fastly in that. Oh, there is, there is a lot of shade thrown between <laughs> those two companies. Fastly does the same. Uh, they were commenting on the go-to market strategy and how theirs is so much better because they got you know this huge 15 percentage point uh, sequential gain in in revenue because of that usage based. So there there's there's a lot of shade thrown both directions. They are absolutely uh, direct competitors. <laughs> well, that's good. Good enough. Just clear it clear the air there. Um, so is there anything else that I, I should have asked or anything else that you feel is important for investors to know in this space? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I like Fastly and Cloudflare because they are more generalized edge networks to me. Obviously, they both are CDNs as well. And, and there's some ancillary services to that around security, like they can prevent uh, denial of service attacks because they're a layer between uh, requests and your server, you know, so they can do a lot of things with that. And that's, that's the space that all of the competition in that industry is trying to catch up with. You know, that's where Akamai is trying to go. That's where Limelight's trying to go. Content delivery. Uh, that is a fraction of the potential of the global generalized edge networks that these companies are building. And I say generalized because I, I, I like to differentiate them from Zscaler um, and Agora, a Chinese company that is also an edge network company around uh, video streaming. Um, Zscaler and Agora are much more specialized uh, and, and they're doing exciting things. But I like the potential of these generalized ones because they become an application development platform. And so for, for two things, themselves, they can develop new products on it as Cloudflare for Teams just proved is developed on the worker edge compute. Um, but also their customer base. There are absolutely going to be companies that spring up that are entirely edge 
network-based companies, exactly as they sprung up in the cloud. So, you know, we, we, we say cloud native now for some of these companies, there's going to be edge native platforms spawning on, you know, these generalized edge networks. So that's a really exciting potential. Um, but also because they were, uh, CDN is not the way to think about these companies. CDN is, is all about a certain directional flow of network traffic. It's taking something at the origin that I'm publishing, some kind of content or video stream or PDF files or whatever you're trying to distribute, being pushed out to cache servers. And so it's a very pub-sub sort of uh, networking flow. I'm publishing something, it, someone out there is going to be consuming it. And that makes a lot of sense for a, a lot of content, you know, you, you know, like YouTube videos or TikTok videos. That's kind of the publish once and consume a million times. You know, so that's a great use case for, for CDNs. Edge networks are an entirely programmable global network with uh, edge compute strategically located at these edge servers around the globe. And there are a lot of ways to leverage that. That directional networking flow of CDN is but one of the use cases. It, it could be entirely the opposite. It could be consuming a lot of data from endpoints and condensing it and not passing it all to uh, you know, core cloud services. It could be making choices out on the edge about what it wants to keep and what it wants to save. And so, you know, there's, there's been a lot of hype around um, IoT and 5G, the impact that'll have on the edge where you've got a lot more traffic potential from devices to cellular towers. And then the explosion of, you know, IoT devices in general, you're, do, you're, you're taking a lot of measurements and you know, connected cars, connected home appliances, all these things are trying to talk on the network and send their data somewhere. That explosion of network traffic completely reverses the networking flow that I just described as ideal for CDN. That, in that case, you're, you're, you're generating all the data at the endpoints. And so these generalized edge networks are perfect for that. They can control the networking both directions. And so it can work in, in, in both paradigms. It's ideal for CDN and it's ideal for all this endpoint traffic that needs to be sorted through or analyzed or uh, you know, forwarded on to uh, you know, core cloud services. So uh, a lot of potential, uh, I keep, and I probably keep saying potential, I, I'm not one to invest in aspirational bets. You know, I'm not betting in these as, oh, this is gonna be the huge next wave for the 10 years. These are, that, that's a part of it, but these are, these are companies that are having a lot of success now. Um, so, so clearly Cloudflare is having a lot of success with just its CDN application. It's about to have a lot of success with Cloudflare for Teams. And uh, an edge network and compute is, is really at its infancy, but it's having a lot of success now. And it, I, I foresee it having a lot of success for a number of years from here. Vastly exactly the same. It's having a lot of success with the solutions it's, it's achieving right now. This is the tip of the iceberg of what's possible on its platform. And so I really look forward to seeing what comes next from these companies and from the customers and developers that are, that are using their platforms. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I really appreciate you going into 
all of that detail. Um, next time I get stuck on uh, developing uh, or software concept, I know who I'm calling first. Uh, really appreciate you going into that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. I, 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 that's kind of my forte with my, my blog and, and Twitter persona is that I, I, I'm, a, I'm a software developer and, and kind of lead architect that's designing systems. And I do a lot of explaining in that job for, for uh, you know, explaining technical concepts and um, how things flow together and how kind of overly complex distributed systems all intercommunicate. And I finally learned about, you know, about a year and a half ago that I needed, I needed to combine that skill set with investing. And so I do a lot of technical research into the companies that I'm interested in and then kind of uh, put a little narrative over it in order to explain this to people who don't have that technical background. And so that's kind of the... The, the angle I'm taking with this blog is that it's really just about explaining technology, um, you know, edge networks. I had a, a deep dive into uh, cybersecurity. There's a lot of exciting things going on in there with the cloud native cybersecurity providers um, and data storage and development tooling. So there's a, there's a lot of really interesting things spawning from um, the cloud and from the edge that I, that I like diving into. And I'm glad it helps other people understand it. Yeah, I'll definitely link to your blog, Hypergrowth with three H's at the beginning um, in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's great. So don't want to take up too much more of your time, but a question I'd love to ask all the guests is, is there one daily habit that has really contributed to your success? Note-taking is the one that immediately comes to mind. I'm a pretty avid note-taker and I find it it always helped me back in school to learn by writing and I'm not necessarily writing now, but it helps me to uh, get down initial concepts and then it's something I'll, I'll go back over. It's actually how I write my articles in the blog too, is I'll, I'll kind of put general themes down in an outline and then just keep refining and refining and refining from there. And so note taking in as far as investment is, is proven to be really helpful for me at a bare minimum, writing my own thoughts down about what moves I'm making or what I'm seeing uh, as, as companies go, things I like, things I don't like to see uh, in their performance or execution or their financials. Uh, but then with this technology, you know, it's all incredibly fascinating. It's an exciting time to be alive as a, as a technologist. And uh, so it, it, it's, it's, it's really fun to keep up with these companies and keep notes about what products they're coming out with and where they're taking their platforms next. Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's a great way to end. So thanks so much for coming on, Muji. Thanks, Ryan. I, I love talking about this stuff. So happy to help. Thank you so much for listening to the Investing City podcast. It really means the world to us. And before you go, we have a proposition. So please leave a review on iTunes. It just would help us out so much. And if you do so, just email us. I left a review and we'll give you a gift. That's right. We'll give you a gift if you leave a review. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you.